listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Hey gang, Chris here. I just want to take a quick moment and say thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. And thank you for subscribing. But I also want to warn you that if you aren't subscribed to this podcast, you may be missing episodes. A lot of people follow us on social media, but sometimes our tweet with the link doesn't show up in your feed. Some of you follow our Facebook page or follow a Facebook group where we share the link. But Facebook tries to hide those page shares in an effort to shake us down for money. And if they see me sharing it in a group, they suspend me for weeks on end. That means you miss episodes. Don't miss episodes anymore. If you have an iPhone, there's a little purple podcast button. And if you don't have it anymore, just go into the App Store. Download it for free. If you have an Android phone, click on Google Play. Search podcast. Pick an app that you like. Spotify works. Go into these apps, search the name of the show, and hit subscribe. Now you'll never miss anything. Thanks for subscribing. You keep listening. We'll keep making them. Another week and Windy City Slam is back with you live. It is noon on a Tuesday instead of on a Monday. And that's because I went out of town for a little bit of R&R, got the family away from the world, and it was perfect timing seeing as how we're located here on the southwest side of Chicago in Evergreen Park. And uh, I had friends of mine calling me like, hey, they're mentioning your village on national television. So it was a good day and a good weekend to get out of town. On the phone line with me, is Mike Pankow, my friend. How are you? Chris, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm I'm happy. I'm here. I'm alive. Awesome. I got yeah. I got breath in my good lungs. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. to be here. So uh, a lot of things going on. There's not a lot of yes. local stuff. And so one of the one of the big national things that's going on that uh, some people have been critical of, and I can't wait to ask you about it, because we talked about it for the last two months. WWE is totally messing up by not having guys standing ringside Mm -hmm. and they went with it now where they had some NXT guys standing out there. But when you flip through the interwebs, there's a lot of people criticizing it, saying it was too late. It's a ripoff and it came across cheap and they didn't use them right. What did you think about it? Well, um, can we get to that in just a little bit? Sure, man. What do you want to get to first? I talk a little bit about the local stuff real quick. There's a little bit of local news. I didn't I know we I... had local stuff, so go yeah, for it. Yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, the calendar's turned to June. Some of the restrictions in certain places are be- being relaxed and lifted. Some independent promo- promotions have begun to schedule events starting this month. In fact, Woodstock-based Premier Pro Wrestling it's a very small company, but they do like weekly TV. I'm not sure if it's on the internet or local access or whatever, but they do weekly TV. And it's this Saturday night, they are returning after about a three month absence. So there's actually a little bit of local stuff going on there. Pow Entertainment also announced this show for June 20th at Wonder Lake. So if things go well, they will be back in a couple of weeks. And in addition, if you're really itching for wrestling with some pretty good talent, you could go up to the Milwaukee area Friday night, um, the 5th, ICW in West Dallas, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. 
has a show featuring a main event of two Chicago guys, Vic Capri and Marche Rocket. Plus, you have Tyler Sullivan, who's wrestled in POW, who's been the champion there. He's wrestling pit stain. So there's some stuff starting to come back just a little bit. But on the other hand, there are also still some local companies and promoters who are being a lot more cautious in the light of the situation. So I think we're just going to see trickles here and there uh, for the next couple of months until things get closer to normal. Now, you're a guy who hits a lot of the local things. So what's Mm -hmm. your take on it? Because you know what it's like when you walk into these things. I can't even begin to imagine. I just imagine it's like a gymnasium. There's, I don't know how they're going to social distance. I don't know how they're going to do things mm-hmm. the right way. I'm, I just don't know how. Whenever I've seen local things out, even at uh, uh, Crestwood's uh, minor league baseball stadium, when they have mm-hmm. the Thursday night wrestling, everybody's just like right. packed in next to each other. So uh, what is your take on this? I, I feel like we need to get one of these guys on from one of these these ones that are opening up just to kind of find out what they're doing, if anything. And what's your take on it? Because I can't imagine that you're like itching to run back out there, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little hesitant, at least for several weeks or a month or two, just depending on, you know, the timing of everything. But yeah, I'm a little leery for sure. Um, I know Powell is going to try to spread people out, not have as many people in the building. So I think, and plus, you know, have face masks as required by whatever community requires them. So I, I think Jimmy Blaze over there is going to do the right thing and, and be safe. And actually, we talked to Ryan Cross uh, a couple weeks ago, too, and uh, he's nowhere near ready to start promoting shows himself. I just, I, you know, guys like that will, will, be, will be thinking very long and hard about doing anything until things are a little bit more normal. Okay. All right. So well, at least there's going to be something coming back. You know, I mean, like you, you want them to survive, but I hope that they're doing things the right way when they're doing it. You know, it's weird yes. is that when when you look at everything else that's going on right now in this country over the last four or five days, we've all forgotten about coronavirus. It's still yeah, there. It's crazy. So, so yeah. It's amazing. It to me, but anywhere. It's no. still it didn't like disappear. It's not like a news cycle where they go to the next story. Like it's still there. And so it's it's one of those things where you're just wondering, like, Who's going to go out and do this, and are they going to do it right? And who's going to say, hey, I haven't seen this in the news in a couple of days. Obviously, it's over. And th- that isn't the case. So uh, hopefully hopefully it goes well. But you're the guy I want to ask about that because you're, you're the guy that goes out and does these things. So, you know, I mean, like, that's the thing. You're, you're the guy that goes, you go to all these different things. And, you know, if you're sitting there saying, I'm not really sure if I want to do this yet, let's see how it goes. You're probably right there with the masses right now. It'd be interesting to see how many people they have actually show up. Yeah, it would be. So um, you want to jump on back to the WWE? Uh, Definitely, stuff? dude. Okay, so they got guys standing around the <laughs> ring. They've got guys yeah. standing around the ring, but not everybody was a big fan of it. I'm taking a more positive spin on it. I, I thought it was very well done. I know maybe some of the people may not have been as good as they could have been. But, yeah, I mean, people are cheering for the right guys, booing for the right, you know, the, the heels. I mean, yeah, some people went rogue and did some stuff. You know, it was closer to a live crowd than, you know, as you would expect at a, an event where, you know, they actually have people sitting in a regular interval and real fans sitting there. I thought for the most part, they did a good job and it's good to see it. I mean, they, they did this for all their TV shows too: raw SmackDown, NXT, even 205 live, which is the cruiserweight show on Friday nights on WWE network. They were kind of situated behind this plexiglass barrier. And I thought it was kind of cool because you were thinking hockey with all that, you know, you can see the hockey with all the flex class going around. I thought that was really, really cool. So I thought they did a pretty good job with it. I mean, I guess I could see some of the criticisms, 
I guess some of the wrestlers weren't happy that who the wrestlers, aka the fans, weren't totally happy because they had to stand on their feet most of the time. They really didn't get a whole lot of a chance to sit down during the show. So yeah, I mean they had some pretty sore-footed uh, fans at these events, but uh, I think for the most part they were able to cut to them if they wanted to, though. And that—that's the interesting mm-hmm. thing. It gave them something else to go to. The internet yes. kind of blew up a little bit after the Nia Jax Kari Sane match mm-hmm. because there were people they cut away after she puts her into the steps, but it, she was busted open. And the thing going around yeah. the internet is that that was a very unsafe move. And I've heard that about Nia before. That isn't the yeah, first time you've heard that complaint yeah. is that she works way too rough and sometimes puts people in dangerous situations. And they had to pretty much end that match as quickly as possible to attend to Kari Sane, and they were able to cut away to a crowd. That's another thing right now people are buzzing about. Uh, you know, I've watched her before, and me as the casual wrestling fan, I'm aware of the fact that she works that way. I That, that is yeah, something I have heard crazy. before. So, I mean, like, if I've heard that before, that, that's got that's got to have some legs somewhere. There's smoke there. There might be fire. What, what's your thoughts on her? Yeah, she definitely has a reputation for that. Um, obviously, she busted Becky Lynch's nose. That's the, the biggest thing that sticks out in people's mind about a year and a half ago uh they did the confrontation she hit becky lynch and that actually kind of helped becky lynch get even more over so that was a totally organic event but yeah she especially with Kyrie, the last couple of weeks you know she's been in the ring with her and poor Kyrie's suffering injuries and you know Kyrie's kind of frail she's you know she's very skinny she's very light and obviously naya is pretty big and and if someone like Nia, who is rough with with her fellow competitors, gonna hurt somebody, and um, a lot of people are very very critical of her. And uh, I hope um, at some point, I mean, I actually kind of like Nia, so I hope things get better with her in terms of, of that. So fingers crossed that um, she gets a little safer in the ring uh, for the sake of Kyrie Sains and Alexa Blisses and, and people like that. Definitely. All right. So can we let's bounce over to AEW then real quick, because okay. um, we could jump around a little bit here on this show. But uh, one of the things I, I've noticed a couple of things, one, first, the Jericho Tyson feud, which is very interesting because it feels it feels very late 90s WWE because Mike Tyson's involved, of course, because he had that kind of thing. Got ripped from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had that whole thing with Stone Cold. And then in the end, he turns out that he, he backed Stone Cold up in the ring at the big match. So, I mean, you know, you're, you feel like you're watching deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say. So what, what's your take on this? Are they, are, are they going to be able to find something original here, or are they basically just grabbing something that, that resonated 20 years ago and, and reusing it? Well, I think you have that right in both ways. I think they could try to maybe parlay it into some sort of match or some sort of angle where maybe if Tyson doesn't get in the ring, maybe he backs somebody against a Jericho in the inner circle. But yeah, I, I think it's leading to some sort of face-off in-ring in a match between the two parties. So you think Tyson's going to face off with Jericho in any actual ring? You think that's possible? I can totally see it. I mean, he's wow. in his early 50s. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I were Chris Jericho, knowing how Mike Tyson takes things too far. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go do that at all. That's scary. Uh, before I get back into that potential of that, there is a video, and this is not the first time they've actually had a little bit of a thing. This dates back to January 11, 2010, in WWE at Monday Night Raw, when they were doing the guest 
uh, general managers on Raw. Mike Tyson was there. He and Jericho had a little bit of a confrontation there. Jericho took a punch from Mike Tyson. I mean, I'm doing air quotes because nobody can see that because Mike swung so hard. And I think just from the force of him swinging, Jericho just took a dive. I mean, <laughs> he sold that punch even though he never got touched. I mean, there's a gif out there showing it. And it's amazing. You're like, oh, my God, he didn't even get hit. I mean, man, if he really got hit, he probably would have been knocked out. I oh, mean, yeah. Mike swung that hard. And that was like 10 years ago. So, And here, too, 51-year-old Mike Tyson, I believe that's about his age. Someone said that on the internet the other day. I think it was, again, our friend Ryan Cross um, made a comment on, uh, on a post by saying he has Tyson in his current state as a better physique than like half the AEW roster, most of the AEW roster, which I uh, just like, I, hmm, I have to think about that for a second, but I believe he's right. I mean, which is crazy. Tyson is in ridiculous shape. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> Iron Mike, and, you know, he, he, eats, he eats his meats and his vegetables and his ears, and that's what he does. So he's, oh, he definitely makes sure that he, he gets all the proteins that he can possibly get. So now you think this will end up inside of the ring, which could be interesting, but then I don't know what, what does it become? I mean, Mike Tyson is a boxer, right? I mean, like how mm-hmm. does a wrestler and a, how do, how do a wrestler and a boxer face off? Especially when Jericho's not like a brute. It's not like he's a big giant guy. You could say like if Andre, the giant, let's say would face off against a boxer, you'd be like, well, Andre just needs to get one hand on him. He's going to knock out the boxer, right? Like, you know, you, but it's not believable that Jericho could win a boxing match as much as I don't think it's believable that Tyson could win a wrestling match. So I don't know. I don't know what that becomes. That could be very ugly and stupid. Mm-hmm. It could be. But I, I think they can probably do a decent enough job with it to where it's um, a passable kind of spectacle rather than any sort of really, really good match. I think Tyson could probably just go start swinging and just going nuts. Maybe, maybe a little double leg takedown. And maybe he can do like the the Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, piston like right hands on him or something. I mean, I, I could totally do that. And the whole pull apart going back to uh, last week on Dynamite, it had that total feel from a 1998 Raw where Tyson and Austin went at it. Basically, the only thing that was missing from that was Tony Khan coming out and starting to yell, "You're ruining it, damn it! You're ruining it!" <laughs> like Vince McMahon did at that point. But yeah, and another little note too, I want to give a little shout out to a couple of Chicago indie guys who were down there for the taping. Our friends, Robert Eagle, Anthony, and Joe Alonzo got a ton of FaceTime as all the guys who were at ringside. They were part of like the, the crowd there. So they all jumped in to try to break up the fight. And as we're going off air on TNT, Robert Eagle and Anthony is right there holding Jericho. I mean, Great veteran move there by Ego getting some serious FaceTime on national television. Good work there, Ego. <laughs> it also could be a buildup for him or any other wrestler that gets a chance to go hang out at AEW to actually get a, a, like a push because Cody Rhodes now is saying that he would allow anybody, even if it's not an mm-hmm. AEW wrestler, to challenge for the TNT championship, which, first of all, it's cool. I mean, that's such a Cody yes. thing. Remember, he left WWE and he went off and just basically made his own thing happen. And he went from different promotion to different promotion. And he and he created this whole thing online, which really was the birth of AEW at the beginning. If Cody Rhodes doesn't go and do that, I don't know if AEW even exists. So now we have him sitting there saying, look, I'm going to I'm going to keep giving talent an opportunity. And it's also a great way for him to try out new talent. 
Like it's a yes. great way for them to get in the ring and for him to decide, is this guy worth our time in AEW? It's something that WWE, you know, I don't think you could ever actually have as much control in WWE as Cody has over who he's going to let in in AEW because you got a business partner who's also a wrestler and is good at what he does. It's not like Vince McMahon can get into the ring and try a guy out. It doesn't that doesn't happen, you know. So I mean, that's what's really he still has to go off of the word of whoever he asks to go try the guy out. And this yeah. is something Cody gets to go and do. And I think it's really cool. And if you're going to have guys showing up, like you said, you know, we got we got Robert Ego Anthony out there. We talk mm-hmm. about him all the time on this show. We're covering all the Chicago yeah. land wrestling things. He's everywhere. And now he's yeah. there. He gets himself some screen time. He could sit there and say, I want a shot. And if, if Cody yeah, Rhodes is like, yeah, I'll totally do one for you. And it's really a tryout for AEW. He's probably not winning, but mm-hmm. it's a tryout. At least a nice little exhibition. Maybe, you know, he, he gets more opportunities. I mean, he, he, he did the little thing with um, Sean Spears as the uh, mystery tag team partner thing. That didn't work out too well for Ego as he got beat up by by Spears and even Tully Blanchard at the end of their little tag match. But, um, yeah, I, I really like the concept. Um, a lot of indie guys from all over the country are, are, are probably chomping at the bit to um, get in a ring against Cody and uh, do that. And it's going to be interesting to see. Does this maybe even open up a working relationship between AEW and our Ring of Honor? I mean, could somebody from Ring of Honor come in and challenge Cody for that title? Or someone from New Japan Pro Wrestling come in and challenge uh, Cody for that title? Didn't he have Jeff Cobb, who was with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then he made a run in February with AEW? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he he came in for a couple weeks, yeah. I think that was kind of a brief thing. There's talk about maybe him coming in and out. As time went on, obviously the whole pandemic thing may have thrown a wrench into that. But yeah, Jeff Cobb came in for a short time. He was kind of an enforcer for a week, had a match, and then um, was gone after that. He, I believe he was aligned with the inner circle briefly to fight against um, Cody or somebody like that. My, my memory serves, and it's been three or four months, and my brain has turned to mud the last few weeks. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, like... I like the fact they're doing it. I also like the fact that you have to have support within your group at AEW for guys to just come in and get an opportunity. You know, WWE, I've always gotten that impression, especially now with the network, because you can get all the behind the scenes stuff. Like there's a hierarchy. Like you have to earn your way all the way up to even get like, like a chance to do something. And this is like almost breaking down that barrier. Like, Hey, if we think that this guy's halfway talented, we can bring him in and give him a match. If he if he shines, then he gets to jump a few levels. And and it really it'll also add to the competitiveness of it. And if and if you got that going on, then you got guys that are like, okay, I'm gonna do my own mic work. I'm gonna work on my own stuff. It, it makes people stop tweeting about, oh, if I only had a chance with WWE or if they weren't like squashing me or something like that. No, you you literally have an opportunity over at this other place, but you gotta make something of it. And you can't sit around and talk about it anymore. You have to do it. And what you're going to find out is really, you know, 99 out of 100 really can't do it. There's only so many rocks and stone colds out there. You know, there's only so many guys like Chris Jericho that can just kind of just create his own thing. What Cody Rhodes did when he jumped around from promotion to promotion that brought about AEW, that that's a unique thing. Not everybody can do that. They may believe they can do that, but not everybody can actually do it because you have to be unique and you have to be able to shine and you have to be a star, basically. And, but he's giving that opportunity. Like, you're never going to be, if you get a shot in AEW and it doesn't work out, you're never going to be able to look at Cody or, or whine on Twitter, you didn't get a chance. Because it seems to me like public perception, at least, is going to be you got plenty of chances, right? 
But yeah, I really like um, what they're doing with Cody and the title there. And I think it's an opportunity to create not only more of a roster in AEW to get some really good talent, really good hands into that company, but it could maybe even create a star. You just never know what you might get with a match with Cody. Cody could elevate somebody to the point like, okay, we really like this guy. And now they're in the upper mid-card mix or the main event mix. So I, I think it's a, a great opportunity, a great teaching tool, a great evaluation tool, a great exhibition, I think, for a lot of guys who could potentially move on up. I also feel like AEW, the more I look at what their strategy is, is that this is not a short-term strategy of we need to get out in front of WWE in a year. This isn't the ambitiousness of WCW, where it's like, we're going to crush them right away. This almost feels like some of those guys sit around like Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho and say, there's no way that old man is outliving us. So at some point, it, we're going we're gonna to pass him. We, these contracts will eventually run out after a couple of years. We're going to get our hands on the guys that we want to do. And we can, do, we can take our time with it as long as we find a way to be profitable enough for the cons. And the cons are, are, are businessmen who have done long-term investments. They're, they're also not sitting around saying this needs to be done in two years. This is a long-term thing that they seem to be enjoying. And that may be the scariest thing that WWE could be facing. Because at some point, Vince is either going to have to hand the reins over to Triple H. So he gets a little bit more, you know, I don't know how to say it, like a youth infusion or just like some fresher ideas because Vince has gone yes. stale in a lot of ways. But if he doesn't do that, eventually AEW is going to suck that talent away from WWE and move forward. It's, it's all going to be about Vince's ego. Can he really go until the moment they put him in the ground? I don't think that's possible. So it's going to be fascinating to watch, not over the next six months, but the next six years, what's going to happen between these two companies. Because I think it's going to be a very interesting thing that one day we may be watching the AEW network 20 years from now, and they're talking about how they did all this. And it might be a very interesting thing. And they acquired all of WWE's archival footage, <laughs> which would be crazy. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> it, would be, it would be absolutely amazing. So <laughs> what else do we have? There's something else you wanted to cover I don't think we got to today. Yeah, NXT, there's a couple of things from NXT I really want to talk about. And one of the, the best storylines of the year and one of the things I've really enjoyed about NXT the last few weeks is the NXT Interim Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. And the guy in the spotlight that they're telling the great story with is Drake Maverick, a.k.a. Rockstar Spud from back in Impact and back in the U.K. from years past. Drake Maverick is a guy who actually was part of the releases about two months ago due to the COVID-19. A couple days before those releases, however, this NXT Cruiserweight Tournament was formed, and he was one of the names announced. So I'm thinking, like, oh, geez. Um going to be replaced and you know we're just not going to think of him again but he cut this heartfelt promo video on his personal um twitter and it got like millions and millions of views and this guy just showed some incredible passion for the business and he, he was totally brokenhearted over losing his job with wwe and this was a guy who was used in the 24 7 title storyline with our truth he was the general manager of 205 Live, so he wore a few hats in the WWE umbrella. But since this tournament has started, it's, it's a, it was basically a round-robin deal where there were two groups, uh, Group A, Group B, four guys in each. Everybody faced each other once in each group. And Maverick, of course, lost his first match to Jake Atlas, so people are like, okay, if he loses one more time, he's out. He's done. But he has rallied. He won the last two matches in the group. 
I mean, near falls, I mean, a couple of lucky roll-ups. Now he forces a tiebreaker with both Jake Atlas and Kushida. They had a terrific triple threat match last week with a little bit of a wonky finish. Drake Maverick pulled that out, so he ends up winning Group A, and he will face El Hijo del Fantasma, the winner of Group B, uh, this week on NXT. And this whole Drake Maverick thing, the story, it just drew me in. I just love how they're telling the story of the underdog, the guy who has to win to stay in. And I just think they did an amazing job, whether it was Triple H or or Jeremy Borash or whoever put this story together. I I just love it. Drake Maverick's a character I gravitate to. He's probably like five foot three, five foot four, 150 pounds soaking wet. But he's a guy who could really, really work. He pulls on the heartstrings. I love this story. I don't know how much you have read or heard about it, but I think it's been terrific. Well, you, you got me hooked now. I mean, that was pretty impassioned. I'm, I'm, I'm right to go on that one. This weekend, NXT has a takeover card called In Your House. So they're recycling the you know, In Your House theme from about 25 years ago. And no, they're not giving away a house this time. But the main event is going to be NXT champion Adam Cole against the Velveteen Dream. This will be the last shot for Velveteen Dream in the NXT championship picture against Cole. So if Cole wins, Dream cannot receive another title shot as long as Cole is a champion. Uh, Dream had a title match recently on NXT TV, kind of got screwed over by the Undisputed Era. But this time they're supposed to have a specialty match at an undisclosed location. And, um, you know, we'll see if the longest reigning NXT champion can retain or the young upstart Velveteen Dream could win that title. And one more match on that show real quick that I'm looking forward to is Karrion Cross, a formerly known as Killer Cross. Of course, WWE probably doesn't want to use Killer on a main product program like NXT. And his girlfriend, Scarlett, who's part of the act as well, they have an incredible, incredible entrance, probably the best in wrestling uh, he, he just debuted on TV a few weeks ago. He made an impact by attacking Tommaso Ciampa, following Ciampa's crazy match with Gargano a few weeks ago. And now it's going to be carrying cross Tommaso Ciampa in what should be a highly entertaining fight at TakeOver. So the question I have for you is, and it goes back to something that happened a few weeks ago, all right? Remember AEW has the, uh, the pay-per-view and they do the stadium stampede. And yes. what's interesting here, and this is why I want your take on it, is that Jim Cornette and Chris Jericho oh, have gotten into a, a real back and forth over this match, which I can't believe, like, I can't believe how angry either one of them are towards the other one. I mean, to me, it's a matter of opinion what you thought about the match. But basically, Jericho's saying that you don't have a soul if you didn't like the match. And Cornette says it made a mockery of, of all that is wrestling. Now, look, it was stupid. They were wearing uniforms of football players and running around mm-hmm. in the field. I mean, it was pretty dumb. On the other hand, I've seen some pretty dumb angles on WWE before that people still talk about as being like, how about this? What about when the rock did, this is your life with mankind. It was 44 minutes long. They had nothing to do with wrestling. It was totally riffed upon. And people talk about it being incredible. All right. I mean, what is the segment ever? Right. I know. I, <laughs> and, and, and it had nothing to do with wrestling. That's a total mockery yeah. of wrestling. And it, it was, it wasn't even a promo. It was just like some stupid comedy bit that they were doing out there. And they just let it keep going and going and going. So that's why I sit back and I'm amazed whenever anybody goes, Oh, you made a mockery of all that is wrestling with your stupid hijinks. 
wrestling has stupid hijinks. Okay. I mean, look, if you don't believe wrestling has stupid hijinks, just even in the local shows, we've been talking about it. We talked about it with one of our guests uh, just recently. I want to say we talked with uh, uh, Miss Kate about it. The idea of the intergender mm-hmm. matches. And she's like, yeah. you really have to try to sell those. But I mean, like, how believable is it? I could take on a guy that's huge. She even admits yeah. it. She's like, it's ridiculous. There's no way I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. you know, you have to, you have to, you have to kind of suspend belief a little bit on the entire thing. So I think Cornette's like an old man yelling, get off my lawn and shaking his fist at a cloud <laughs> angrily right now. And that's kind of how it feels. And, you know, I, I don't know. If he it, is. It, yeah. I, but to me, it's like, what, who, who, who's still looking for purity in professional wrestling? Like where, where do you start with that? I mean, what do you, what do you, if, if Cornette was in charge of the WWE uh, 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 network, he would erase 75% of the stuff that people watch on demand right now. Cause it's all an affront to pure wrestling. And yeah. that's, that's the thing. I don't know. Goodbye, I don't know what he's ECW. looking for here. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, ECW be gone. Uh, like 75% of WWE be gone. I mean, it wouldn't have anything WWE, I think, except for anything below uh, before 1984 or something. <laughs> you probably have Smoky Mountain and some early NWA, uh, like into like maybe 90, like 91, 92. And then after that, it'd be all gone. So yeah, um, I feel like, I feel like he would be like one of those guys is like, look, either you're wearing blue shorts to show you're a good guy or you're wearing red shorts to say you're a bad guy. Uh, tights are only allowed in uh, certain states and otherwise it's got to be the short shorts. Nobody wears any shirts and go out there and grapple. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. what, that's what Cornette wants in wrestling. That's what it feels like. Like that's, that's his deal. Like he would tell the road warriors to take off the pads. It's a little bit extreme guys. Like that's, that's what he would do. I just, I just, I'm surprised by just the old foginess of the entire thing. Like just being angry because they were out there. They did, they were doing something. Here's the thing. They were doing something entertaining, that yeah. you couldn't do any other way because we're in the middle of a pandemic where you can't use the crowd. So they have to come up with something new and you're going to criticize that. Why? Because, because so you didn't come up with the idea. I, I that's it, it's crazy to me, but that's what it feels like. Like, look, if they would have done it in front of a packed stadium, you'd be like, I don't know. It's pretty cheesy maybe, but when they're doing it because they have to do something to get eyes on the product, when they can't put fans in the stands during the middle of a pandemic, I think you're just being obnoxious, Jim Cornette. That, that's the only way I get it. It's obnoxious, that comment. And, get, and then starting a Twitter beef. You're an old man that wants purity, but you're on the internet talking trash. It, that completely flies in the face of the other thing. Yeah, Jim Cornette is an interesting guy. I mean, he has takes on everything, and, and, and he craps on almost anything that's in modern wrestling. <laughs> That's just the way he is. I have a take too. He's an old fogey and he should shut up. You know, that's, that's my take. On he's an old fogey and think, he should shut up. I think he's pretty entertaining, but at the same time, you know, I think he's a little out of touch as well. So, but yeah, I have to admit, I have to laugh about Cornette. All right, Mike, that's 30 minutes. Good show. Uh, hang in there. Keep doing what you do. I'm, I'm very interested now that we have some local stuff starting to open up like we talked about at the beginning of the show. I want to get back to talking more local stuff. So I'm, I'm excited about that there's something going on. I just hope it's being done right. It'll be, you know, it'll be very interesting, Mike. If in two weeks yeah. there isn't like a massive outbreak with all the people out in the streets, then we're yeah. all going to start thinking, why am I wearing this mask? Like, I really feel yeah. like that's a, like, if they don't see the numbers jump up in two weeks, you're going to be like, well, what? So, I mean, it's so it, you might see a lot of, a lot of things move around here very, very quickly. It's a, it's an interesting fluid thing that it seems like every day 
uh, things change about how people are attacking the virus and what they can actually do and what they believe they can do and what they don't do. With local promotions opening up, it's going to be very, very interesting, and we'll definitely keep an eye on that. That is Mike Pankow. My name is Chris Lanuti. I'm going to say goodbye. Mike, you say goodbye after me. It's cooler. All right, goodbye. There you go. (laughs) 